is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for RadioLawTalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, RadioLawTalk.com. Welcome to hour number two of Radio Law Talk. I'm Todd Cunin, filling in for Fred Penny, who's on assignment. Hey, let me tell you something, Fred. Penny, he's got a, he's got his, his second book, Bruce Two. That is uh, available on Amazon. And great book. So he's writing books. He's got the radio show. He's got a law practice. And, I mean, that guy. Somehow he has lobbied to get 25 hours in a day and eight days a week uh, because he, he just always on the go. I, I'm amazed at the schedule that he keeps. And, and you know, the funny thing to me also is like we, we are always we're always trading topics of what we're going to talk about on Radio Law Talk, and it is not uncommon for me to get a text from him saying, "What about this? What about this topic? This story?" And you'll get it at like 10:30 at night. 11 at night. Now, I go to bed early. I don't usually stay up late. Um, but it, it'll come in 10, 10.30 at night. And then I'll get another one, 4.30 in the morning from Fred. And I know that in that interim, he has gotten maybe all the sleep that he's going to get that day, that evening. You know, because he you know, went to bed after that and woke up and he's just on it. So uh, sometimes his schedule does take him away from the booth and uh, he is out but i'm certain he's listening we miss you fred always happy when you're here denise how you doing after hour number one um i'm doing good it just flew by it flew it by it went really fast and and furious yes yes <laughs> with, with a, a capital f on the furious speaking of which somebody just stole your car <laughs> well, yes and they're and they're drifting in the parking lot and they're <laughs> You know, um, I, I mentioned this to Cal before the show started. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this, Denise, tonight. For some reason, I get on these kicks every once in a while where I'll go and I'll, I'll binge watch an entire series of movies, and I'm back on the Star Wars. Right? Oh, good. So episodes one, two, and three, watch that. Uh, the, the numerical. Then I watched A New Hope, which is actually episode four, which was the first Star Wars that was ever released back in the 70s. And now I'm on The Empire Strikes Back, which several people say is the best one that was ever made um and, and it, it is really good and you know by the time you get to the empire strikes back it's it's very hard for me to escape the feeling that the empire is in desperate need of a solid hr department <laughs> and, and the darth vader somehow yet again needs to take the workplace sensitivity train. You can't choke somebody out because of poor job performance. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. Right? You tell me. You can't do that. And, and, and look, you know, I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain that there's still a 40-hour work week and you got to pay overtime even if you have creative ways of motivating people to find to be more productive. That's going to come up in the, uh, the next one when they're trying to build the second Death Star. Uh, and, and what happens when it goes to trial? If something goes to trial, does the defense, does, does the, you know, plaintiff is suing the Empire because of Darth Vader's actions. You know, do they... Does that be a pre-trial motion? A pre-trial motion to prevent the defense from using the force during jury selection? Yes, this is not the verdict you're looking for. <laughs> I love the deadpan look I'm getting from Denise right now. <laughs> Just, she's, she's looking at my chest right now to see if somehow I have a, a pencil protector with a bunch of pens. <laughs> or my, my conversion to you've heard the light side, the dark side of the force. His, his, his turning to the nerd side of the force is now complete. And you'll note the, the lack of the lack of any input from Denise at all on this topic. I'm getting a courtesy chuckle from Cal every now and then. Denise is over there loading the gun of death in her eyes. Mr. Vader, you understand that weapons of war are not usually used at work as a form of coercion of employees. You understand it? I find you, I find you like a face disturbed. <laughs> yeah. No, you just took me back to when I my college days. When I had a sociology class that was based on Star Trek. 
Star Trek. Really? Star Trek. And what we did was we used Star Trek to kind of discover, if you will, social norms and society mechanisms and all that stuff. But it was really kind of a fun class. Well, interesting, interesting thing about that. So the Star Trek creator, Gene Roddenberry, right? That was what he wanted to use Star Trek for. His, because, because Star Trek came out, it was uh, towards the end of the Vietnam War. So we had, we had already been through World War, World War II, the Korean, Con, Korean War, and Vietnam. And Gene Roddenberry was very big on, there, there's got to be another way to resolve conflicts between um, nations. And, and so that was his vision for Star Trek. And in fact, when Star Trek The Next Generation came out, the, uh, I think the pilot and the first proposed drafts, some of the first episodes, had these shootouts. And Gene Roddenberry was the, uh, was the creative uh, consultant for Star Trek The Next Generation. This is the one with Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard mm-hmm. and stuff. And so they had these, these things in an episode where they'd be shootout with the phasers, this gunfire back and forth, and Roddenberry got that and says, whoa, whoa, hold, hold on, hold on. You guys need to understand what Star Trek was all about. Star Trek was all about resolving conflicts without resorting to this. And, um, and so he really tried to... So they were more like the United Nations or the International yeah. Legal Commission or whatever it is that just came down with, don't do genocide. Yeah, yeah. Real uh, yeah. powerful stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. We, we have this novel idea. <laughs> don't, don't wipe them all out. Let's not kill each other. Yes. Hey. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> there you go. There, there's a, a novel concept. But, uh, uh, all right, oh, we've, we've digressed enough. Uh, look, we, we need to get to the thing that uh, people come to Radio Law Talk for. It's not really to listen to me or anything. It's case or no case. That's what we're here for. So, Cal, go ahead and get us started. Um, so, oh, all right. Or you can just set it up. No, and we no, can... I'll, go, I'll do it. I'll, okay. I'll, now I'll, it's I'll... time to play Case or No Case. Yeah. Now to Golden, Colorado, where Thad Bartholomew had a storage unit full of stuff he brought with him from Texas from where he had moved to Golden, uh, to Gold, to Colorado, to start a marijuana farm. The rent was like 80 bucks a month. Thad forgot to pay one month, then two, then three. And on the third month, he got a call from the receptionist at the storage facility to follow up on the letters he'd been getting, which said his stuff was going to be sold, now come in and pay the delinquent bill, or it will be lost, and that'll be that. So, that'll be that, okay? So, he called the farm foreman and said, I got a better plan. Meet me at the storage unit with our bobtail truck. He went in, snuck into the uh, storage unit, <laughs> cut the lock, threw his stuff over the fence to his farm foreman, and drove away. But about one day later, he gets a knock on the door, and an officer is a policeman. He says, uh, sir, you have a theft allegation made against you. And he said, well, that's my stuff. I can't be charged for stealing my own stuff, man. I want to take legal action against Golden Self Storage Facility. I want to know if I have a case or no case. They can't come after me for stealing my own stuff. So that is the setup for case or no case. That's it. I- interesting. Yeah. Okay. This is an interesting case, but I, I, I don't know about you, Denise, but I really appreciated the, in the setup the way Cal's voice changed when he was speaking as the subject. What was that? What was that? Hey, that's my stuff, man. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. Of course I forgot. Of course I forgot to pay rent. It's it's weed and I use it. Of course I forgot to do something. Hey. <laughs> I just saved the storage unit manager from uh, illegal activity by selling marijuana. Yeah, come on. That's that's like totally hey. totally bogus, dude. And I'd have gotten away with it too if I had to bet for these meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> and meddling cops. These meddling <laughs> cops. How dare they? All right. Uh, All right, so it's my turn. Yeah, but we're going to head into the break, and Denise, get to think oh. about it. Really quick, Cal, what year was that? 1997. 1997. After pot just became legal, and many Texans moved there to grow. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the, ca- the case of the pot caper. And uh, when we come back, we'll hear what Denise has to say, and then what I had to say, and then Cal... Will let us know if he lied yet again. Hey, we'll be back. <laughs> Contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. 
I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell on your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Quack Car Wash. And I know this place right down the road. Quick Quack quick, quick, car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the Quick Quack Confidence. Uh-huh. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the Quick Quack Habit. Take your car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like Quick Quack because of the mascot, Quackles. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. Uh-huh. Quick, quack, car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. Well, come on. Do you want to know the secret to putting extra money back in your pocket? Then switch your car insurance. And now you can make one phone call and shop dozens of insurance companies. Just like buying airline tickets, where it's easy to make one call that has all the best deals. We have great deals with most of the major top-rated insurance companies. We are your superstore for car insurance. We've switched people from their expensive car insurance plans and saved them hundreds of dollars a year. If you think you're paying too much for your car insurance, call now. It's easy to switch, and in five minutes, yes, just five minutes, you'll learn how much money you can save on your car insurance. Save yourself some money this year. Call now for your car insurance. Call e-insurance now for your free car insurance quote. 800-251-0427. 800-251-0427. That's 800-251-0427. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. Worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0940. 800-670-0940. That's 800-670-0940. All right, guys, we need to have you read some lines for our disclaimer promo. But first, can anybody tell me what a disclaimer is? All right, then. Well, uh, Denise, you go ahead. Non uti consilius me oriere por questus purpurium juris consult. Latin, that's a nice touch. Thank you, Denise. Next time we'll try it in English, if that's okay. Fred, how about you? Cal, I don't want to read all this. Can we just tell the people that we're discussing general legal issues and they should hire their own attorney instead of relying on what we have to say here? Well, we could, I guess. Uh, Let's have Todd do it. Me? <laughs> read disclaimers? Why, I couldn't. <clears throat> the information you hear on Radio Law Talk is generally... The preceding promo was for entertainment purposes only. And if you want true legal advice, contact your own lawyer. Just a tip from your friends at Radio Law Talk. Be sure to read our disclaimers on radiolawtalk.com. Your money's no good here. People must be idiots. Email the show anytime you'd like. Info at radiolawtalk.com. I-N-F-O. Info. Info. At radiolawtalk.com. Dot com. All right, so we're back in the middle of Case or No Case. And to, to recap really quick, we have the, uh, the guy rented a storage unit in the state of Texas where he was storing a lot of his marijuana because it had just been legalized there. I didn't say marijuana. I said his stuff he brought from stuff. Texas. Yeah, his yeah. stuff he brought from Texas. I thought it was marijuana that I he was... I did, too. I wrote I that did, down. I didn't say that. So no. he, was, he, was, he had his... Yeah, you said he had a store marijuana farm. 
I said he came to Colorado to start a marijuana farm oh. and then so moving, brought stuff from Texas and put it in the storage unit. See, see, that's why we do the recap there. <laughs> okay. okay, that's going to possibly change the analysis. But I just changed the topic from storing and stealing my own pot to storing storing and stealing my own stuff. There you go. Yeah, I thought you were going to call it ganja wars. It's <laughs> uh, so so he, he hadn't paid for three months. He finally gets the notice or sees the notice that they're going to auction off his stuff, and he goes and breaks in, breaks into the storage facility, gets all of his stuff out of there, and then the next day the cops show up because of a theft, right? Correct. Okay. And, and, and you said his stuff, and that's probably a key point in the case. I okay. He, he was going to get his stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that goes to Denise. Yeah, you're it up. does. Yeah, what do you think? One of the things that happens when you get a storage unit is you agree that they have a lien against your stuff in the storage unit um, to the extent that you do not pay your bill. So they have a valid lien on that item, but they do have to give you notice. And that was one of the things that was not clear was whether or not they had the right address and were giving him proper notice on when they were going to set to auction off his um, his the stuff. Well, in the his setup unit. did say this was a phone call was a follow up to the letters he had been receiving. End quote. So he had been receiving letters saying pay your bill. Okay, I just thought she, the person that called him said you've been receiving them, but we didn't know if he actually yeah. had. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But, Can I ask a question? This may help Denise. Yeah. yeah. Um, had he been paying his bill for a little bit after starting, and then at some point in time stopped, or did he just get the unit and never paid a bill? No, he paid a couple of months. Okay, all right. Just curious. Okay. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this is a, well, if you, it would be stealing their stuff, not his stuff. That's the point. So he could be charged with um, a crime. Um, He could also be sued for the amount of the bill of the storage unit. But... I think it's only a scenario. I think that Cal really got sick of having his stuff in a storage unit and paying for that storage unit that he's learned a hard lesson here, and he's trying to teach us a lesson as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot, Denise. I appreciate your faith in me. And Todd. <laughs> what so, do you, so what Denise, do you, you went with scenario, no case. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, he, I'm... I'm thinking of a couple of crimes here. First of all, the fact that he went after hours... And and cut the lock off. Uh, look, when you go to a storage unit, a storage facility like that, uh, if there are hours of operation that you're supposed to go in and hours that you're not, if if he went after hours, well, uh, he's trespassing. Even if he's trying to access his own unit, you you're, you're granted a a license to enter the premises to get to your uh, stuff during certain hours. And Denise is also right that they're they. If you're not paying your bill, um, you've got an issue with whether or not that stuff becomes, there's a lien on it in order for the uh, storage folks to get paid. That, that's how they ensure their ability to stay in business. So, and be paid. Uh, yes. So I'm going to say this is a case. And that he loses. I mean, I was tempted to say that he wins because if he loses, there's really nothing sexy about the case, nothing spicy there, but um, which is why Cal probably would have chosen it. And I think it's a case because if Cal was making it up, I don't think he would have gone so far as to say that he moved to Texas to work on a marijuana farm with that specificity. That was just weird. Um, so I'll say it is a case, and, and he loses. He is found guilty of a crime for being there. The marijuana I, part came I in. Think, Go. Yeah. You know what I think, Cal? Mm-hmm. I think you were watching Storage Wars. <laughs> and, and then you thought, wow, all of that equipment in there has to do with a grow. Well, the marijuana aspect came in because the guy from Colorado did not like uh, Texans moving in and buying farm property and growing pot. So he was very aggressive, even though he gave him an extra 30 days, because, Todd, you said, now your answer to this was what case? I, right? I said that this was a case. And that the uh, that the guy who broke in to steal his stuff out of the storage unit loses. Nailed it. Booyah. Nailed it. Case and Thad lost big time. Thad Bartholomew had not carefully read the locker rental agreement. 
It says after 60 days of non-payment, the material in the locker becomes the property of the storage company, which meant they had graced him with an extra 30 days just because they were being nice. So Thad was charged with uh, theft and convicted of theft, breaking and entering, and was sued civilly for the price of the rent and had to buy a new lock. So he f spent a few uh, days in jail and, and uh, came up with some cash. And that, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations, Todd, is... All right. Case or no case. And his name was Thad? Thad. Thad Bartholomew. Thad. You know, in, in, in the words of Mike Tyson, yeah. it's a Thad, Thad case. <laughs> Sorry. It was just hanging out there like low I fruit. I, I had know. to go there with it, the pun. It was a slow pitch. I gave you a slow <laughs> pitch. I admit that. <laughs> oh, brother. Denise. Denise, Denise, Denise. What are we looking at here? We've got, um, well... Nobody wants to be convicted of murder. <laughs> there's, there's an interesting way to start something off here. Nobody, nobody wants to be convicted of murder, especially if it's a wrongful conviction. Maybe it would be better for me to say nobody wants to be wrongfully convicted of something, especially if it's a murder conviction. When we come back, we're going to talk about a guy who spent, what was it, 48 years in jail only to be exonerated and is now... Seeking payback. And leaving the legal. rest of us wondering, how yes. did that happen, right? Yeah, how did yeah. that happen? But speaking payback, seeking payback legally through the courts for the 48 years he lost for that wrongful conviction. When we come back, we'll talk about that. And others, don't go away. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. This is Radio Law Talk. We'll be back. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is the perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-481-5621. 800-481-5621. Eight hundred four eight one five six two one. That's eight hundred four eight one fifty six twenty one. NMLS sixty six zero six. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Do you have an old car sitting around your house? Maybe you're even paying insurance on it. Well, if you don't need that car anymore. Donate it, running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation. They will even come and pick it up for free and give you a receipt for a tax donation. Breast cancer screening could save the life of someone you love. And right now, they need your help. They want to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And that's what your old car helps to pay for. So get your phone out and call right now to donate your car to the United Breast Cancer Foundation. Remember, they will come pick it up for free and give you a tax donation receipt. Call right now at 800-245-0473. 800-245-0473. That's 800-245-0473. 800-245-0473. Keep listening for an exciting offer from U.S. Med. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain and inconvenience of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. 
800-251-7560. We'll tell you all you need to know about CGMs. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And with insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now to learn more. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. CGMs are the newest in diabetic technology. They can help you stay in range and manage your diabetes better. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. And delivery is free. Remember, if you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. Call 800-251-7560. Co-pays and deductibles may apply. 800-251-7560. That's 800-251-7560. Sponsored by U.S. Medical Supply. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell in your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. Your car smells good and it's clean at Quick Cut Car Wash. Man, I know this place right down the road. Quick 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 Quack car, car, car Wash. Quick Quack Car Wash. Get the quick quack confidence. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Get the quick quack habit. Take your car once a week. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. I like quick quack because of the mascot, Quackles. Come on, quick quack. So we sell unlimited membership for per vehicle. You can add a family plan and add an additional vehicle at a discounted rate. Don't drive that dirty car. Uh-huh. Quick quack car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. Well, come on. I thought you were happy. Go lucky. No, no, no. I'm not happy. I'm not lucky, and I don't go. Like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. Now it's time for more Radio Law Talk. All right, Cal, I'm going to go out on a limb. The first clip was from Seinfeld, right? Seinfeld. The Correct. second, uh, the first airplane movie with Leslie Nielsen. Exactly. Where he had to, First, it was a bad week to give up cocaine, then a bad week to give up alcohol. Well, I think the first, yeah. the first, it was like, I picked the wrong week to, it, the innocu- things that people would give up. Yeah. Uh, I picked the wrong week to stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it was alcohol. Then it was Cocaine. Then it was stop sniffing glue. <laughs> was that uh, Lloyd Bridges? Yeah. Was that who played that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Funny I, stuff. So I went back. I went back and I actually watched the airplane movies the other day, the, the first one. And um, here's the thing that Airplane and Seinfeld have in common. Okay? Okay. The, the thing, what would you think Airplane and Seinfeld have in common, Cal? Really good writing. Okay. Okay. okay really good writing. Yeah. And this is close to that, Denise, the movie Airplane and Seinfeld? Um, satire. Satire, okay. Here's the thing that I thought, and it's really good writing, but neither movie would ever be, movie or production would ever be made today. Because? Because of the PC environment. There's just, <laughs> there is, the jokes that were on Airplane, oh my gosh. Oh boy, yeah. You, you watch those, and, and that's true if you, uh, if you go back and watch, and I, you know, I was raised on All this in the stuff. family. All in the family. You ever go and watch the, uh, watch the game shows from the 70s, like Hollywood Squares oh, and, and uh, Password, those. and what was the- The Newlywood Game. The that new- one is the one that just makes me laugh. Uh. What was, what was the one where, um, oh- well, the wife said the washing machine. That was newlywed game. Go that, ahead. That was the, <laughs> the, the new. No, this it was. Uh, it, was it match game, where yeah. they where oh, they Gene had Rayburn, to say yeah. the, the panelists had to try to guess what it was, and then the. No, they had to match well, what the, the yeah what the, the panelists the said. contendents uh, the, yeah. the contestants had to guess what the panelists had said, and they showed them on the cards. And mm-hmm. Charles Nelson Riley's over there smoking his pipe the whole time, and they've got the ashtrays because uh, was it Richard Dawson smoking? Probably had a drink the whole time there, and the jokes. 
Oh boy! That they told on those were just like Hollywood one of, Squares. One of my favorite was Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares. What should people never do on a honeymoon? <laughs> Laugh and point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but but you know, so, so so look, anybody who knows me, who knows my sense of humor. If you want to know why it is the way that it is, it's because I watch those every day after school when I'd get home for the entire 70s. Look, I was, I was, in, I was in grade school then, and it shapes your sense of humor. I, <laughs> oops, that's my story, and I'm sticking by it. I guarantee you there are people listening right now that know me that are like, yeah, that's not going to fly. You're still responsible. <laughs> You're still responsible for your own sense of humor. Um, oh, but that has nothing to do with murder. Um, well, maybe. Speaking of humor. Okay. Well, speaking no, of yeah. humor. Right. It, no, nobody wants to be wrongfully convicted of something, but can you imagine being wrongfully convicted of murder and spending 48 years in jail only to be exonerated? Denise, this, this happened, didn't it? It did. It's sad. Um, it was in Oklahoma, I believe, right? Yes, Oklahoma. And uh, who is the individual? Glenn Simmons has filed a lawsuit in federal court. I mean, he was, he was exonerated and released. Now he's filed a lawsuit in federal court seeking, you know, essentially back pay, money. Look, I lost 48 years, nearly 50 years of my life for uh, something I didn't do. And, and what is the basis what is the basis of his beef? What is it that he alleged was done wrong? This isn't just uh, the, the jury heard the evidence and they got it wrong. It's more than that. No, this is that two of the detectives invested in the case had proof of his innocence and they did not release that information to the defense. That's what he's alleging. I mean, th- look, that was, when, well, I, say, it, when it, I say alleging, that was the basis for which the conviction was overturned. Mm-hmm. And that is now what he's alleging in his lawsuit filed against the city, and he's also naming the the two officers in this lawsuit, right? And um, yeah, and uh, the interesting thing about it is that the when he filed his new request before the the judge, the judge immediately released him based on the new evidence. So that's got to be pretty compelling evidence. Yeah, yeah, that that has to be very compelling to. They actually determined him to be actually innocent. See, that is that is different. Interesting. Okay, and and you, you'll hear that a lot of times in when when verdicts are made. Look, I, I realize that everybody has the presumption of in, innocence. Our our legal system is based upon the idea that people are presumed innocent unless proven otherwise, and the bar is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. So a, a person loses the presumption of innocence when um, the evidence is such that it is beyond a reasonable doubt evidence, in theory. And you, well, it's a completely different topic when it comes to whether or not juries actually use that. But that's what, that's what they're told. That's what they're told. So it, it always kind of bugs me when I hear um, at the conclusion of a case where, let's say, the defendant is exonerated, found not guilty. And the, and the folks on the news say, He's innocent. John Smith was found innocent today by a jury. No, no, he was not found innocent. Here's where that gets confusing. For example, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson was found innocent by a jury in Los Angeles. And then you can understand why there are people that say, well, how could he be found innocent and then found liable in a subsequent civil case for the, for the wrongful death of those two individuals? It's because a, a, the outcome of a Different case. standard of proof. Different standard, and the jury isn't tasked with finding somebody innocent in a criminal case. What they're tasked with doing is determining whether or not the state has presented evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to overcome the presumption. You have to remember that trials are not about facts. Trials are about evidence. They are. Well, in theory. Trials are about evidence. I say in theory because... I guarantee you there are juries out there that decide which attorney they like during jury selection, and then they view the evidence in the light through the prism of their um, view of the attorney that they like. It was a good thing I wasn't on your jury, huh? Uh, (laughs) Well, probably. (laughs) Probably. Well, I just want to clarify here. I've never been tried for anything, knock on wood. As, as my jury as, a, as, a, as an attorney. Not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. 
So, uh, so look, the, the, the issue in Oklahoma about these, uh, about these detectives, this, if it's true, if the detectives did hide evidence or failed to disclose evidence, now they were both contacted, and their response was, I have no real recollection of this. this I mean, we're talking about a case that was investigated in the mid-'70s, you know, when I was home watching Match Game. And uh, the detectives who are now retired say, look, I investigated thousands of cases. I don't remember this one specifically, but if it's in my report, I'll stick by what I wrote. I don't recall hiding anything. I don't, you know, that's, that's the line that they're sticking with. But here's the thing when it comes to obligations to turn over what's called exculpatory evidence. So it's one of the things where the defense doesn't have to make a motion for the prosecution to turn over exculpatory evidence. That is a, an ongoing duty on the part of the prosecutor to turn it over because sometimes the defense doesn't even know it's there. So the prosecution has an ethical responsibility to do that. Here's the hard part for prosecutors. Now, as alleged in this case, it was the detectives who didn't disclose the evidence and didn't even tell the prosecution about it, right? But technically, in terms of the responsibility of the attorney, the prosecuting attorney, the prosecuting attorney's duty extends to the prosecutor and the prosecution team, which includes the detectives. As a prosecutor, we were always taught, you're responsible for what your detectives are doing. So if they're hiding it and not telling you, you could have liability. You might have a defense to it. But you can't just bury your head in the sand as a prosecutor, not peel that onion and not make sure that you get everything, because the buck stops with you when it turn, in terms of what gets turned over. And so uh, Mr. Glenn Simmons is going to have his day in court. Uh, I'll be curious to see. I, I think that the liability is a no-brainer. I, I, I really think it's a no-brainer. The right. question is, what's it worth? Mm-hmm. What's yeah. it worth? This is going to come down to quality of life and what's it worth and what could you have reasonably expected and all this stuff that was missed. Yeah, what could you have... Um, what's going to compensate him um, in terms of lost employment, perhaps, into loss of consortium with his family members, um, including loss of quality of life, right? Absolutely. And that's going to be huge. When we come back, we're going to talk about another case. Now, this one was a case where the defendant had to prove that he was not guilty of it ultimately and should have had the case tossed out. We come back, we're going to talk about a case, I think, out of Chicago, where even the DA is saying that conviction should be tossed. We'll come back, talk about that away. Todd and Denise will be right back with more Radio Law Talk after we break away. So you stay tuned because Radio Law Talk is not done yet. Not even close. Radio Law Talk and RadioLawTalk.com. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0940-800-670-0940-800-670-0940-800-670-0940. That's 800-670-0940. Attention. 
If you owe back taxes to the IRS, the IRS is cracking down by hiring 87,000 new agents to garnish your paycheck and put liens on homes and businesses. They can even seize your bank account. The IRS calls it enforced compliance, and now they have the manpower to get you. Penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily. So call One Stop Tax Relief Shop and get the IRS off your back. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. Call 800-501-2533. 800-501-2533. One Stop Tax Relief has resolved thousands of cases since 2014 and saved clients millions of dollars. Call now for a free consultation. Get the IRS off your back. Call 800-501-2533. 800-501-2533. One Stop Tax Relief Shop. Every 40 seconds, a kid is reported missing. Find the Children provides educational material that teaches your kids how to recognize and avoid predators. Our recovery programs are very successful in bringing kids back home to their family. You can help protect our kids and bring the missing kids home safe by donating your unwanted car, truck, SUV, or van. Running or not, we guarantee you will receive the maximum tax deduction. We provide fast free pickup usually within 24 hours. Over 2,000 kids are reported missing every day. Call now to donate your vehicle. Donate now to bring this kids home safe. Call 800 771-4877, 800-771-4877, 800-771-4877. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate. And de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested, don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Round up the usual suspects. Are you serious? This is Radio Law Talk. So uh, we're, we're talking about a uh, fun, loving conversation here on a nice Saturday morning. The, the weather has broken. The weather here in Northern California has been like a cat that can't decide if it wants in or out. Are you going to storm? Are you going to be nice? What, what's going on? But right now I can see blue skies out our window. And, um, and we're having a, a, a rousing discussion about murder. <laughs> Only on Radio Law Talk can you uh, put those two together. But... So we talked about the first case, um, Glenn Simons, Simmons, exonerated after, well, let's call it 50 years, 48 years in prison, exonerated, he's released, and now he's, uh, he is seeking money to compensate him for five decades of his life lost to prison. This next case is another one, and look... I get asked a lot when I was doing criminal defense, okay, especially I was a prosecutor for 10 years, did criminal defense for you know, 10 years, and, and, um, and I get asked a lot, how would you feel if you had to defend somebody you knew was guilty, right? Okay, putting the cart before the horse there, how do you know they're guilty, you know, what do you have, and what do you mean by defend? Is trying to get them best deal or actually trying to have them found not guilty by a jury because... Um, I don't think I've ever been in the latter category. Going before a jury asking somebody that I thought was guilty, have a jury come back and say they're not guilty of this. I, I always had a belief in my client's case for cases that went to trial. 
But I was also asked, what do you think about the death penalty? People ask me that as a prosecutor. And at one point in time, I was like, oh, hey, you know, the law is what the law is. And I've actually prosecuted cases where the office was seeking the death penalty. Um, I, I left the office before the case went to trial, but um, I was handling that case with a team of others. My view on the death penalty has changed, and it's cases like the one we're going to talk about right now that have, have shaped that change in the view on the death penalty. And this is Marcellus Williams in, I said Chicago, it's Missouri because I flunked geography. Um, <laughs> Marcellus Williams in Missouri was convicted of a crime, a killing that alleged that well, the killing occurred in 1998, but it was alleged that he had done it and he was convicted and sentenced to death for the uh, killing of stabbing death of Leisha Gale, a social worker and one-time St. Louis Post-Dispatch reporter. Killed in 1998, and he was identified as the suspect, went to trial, he was found guilty, death penalty imposed, sentenced to death. Hours before his execution was to be imposed in 2017, then-governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, halted the execution because... Evidence questioning the legitimacy of the conviction arose. As of today, the current prosecutor in that jurisdiction is joining with the defense team for Marcellus Williams in seeking to have, the prosecutor is seeking to have the conviction tossed because a lack of evidence and the evidence presented was not sufficient. That's amazing. And, you know, with the rise of DNA evidence, which can pretty much be conclusive a lot of times, um, you know, depending on the type of crime, but with the rise of DNA evidence and now the way, the means by which they have the ability to actually with certainty know certain DNA evidence, um, I th agree with your idea that somebody that should never be put to death. You should never put somebody to death because you just don't know, especially in the before DNA evidence was um, used. Yeah. Now DNA evidence is really pretty sophisticated and, and pretty accurate. Well, the interesting thing that I find in this is the DNA evidence, in a lot of these cases that are being overturned, and the Innocence Project um, is the one that really spearheaded this one, these cases that are being overturned, it's because they're dealing in a lot of times with cases that DNA evidence was the linchpin evidence that led to the conviction, and then the Innocence Project comes in and is able to show how that DNA evidence wasn't as reliable, reliable yeah. as, as they thought that it was. I mean, look, when you say DNA evidence, the way that it works, essentially, I, I've prosecuted cases with DNA evidence. They weren't murder cases. They were sex assault cases. But here's the way it works. You get a DNA sample. You run it to the lab. And they go in, and they look for 13 markers. On all the chromosomes, they look for 13 markers. They choose the chromosomes, and, and, and they know the sites to go to. And they get these markers, and, and they look at what the identifiers are for these 13 markers because even though they're only looking at 13, I mean, they're they're tons of markers. They just look at 13. And the statistical likelihood that any two people would be chosen at random and have the same pattern or combination of these statistical markers, even at just 13, is highly unlikely to the tune of one in five times, 10 times, 20 times the population of the planet or the population of anybody who's ever lived on the planet, right? And so that's essentially how, how the DNA evidence works, but it's not infallible. It still isn't. And we have a case like this here where Marcellus Williams is going to be hopefully released by the judge. I mean, I, I don't know how, you, as a judge, well, they you didn't decide— test the DNA. Yeah, I, I don't know how, as a judge, you, you decide anything other than release when even the prosecutor is saying, yes. hey, this was wrong. Yeah, right. I totally agree. And would you do that as a prosecutor if you really felt strongly that somebody had been wrongfully convicted? Uh, I have. I have done it. 
uh, I, I had cases. I mean, they were misdemeanor cases, but when it was, I, I never had a case where somebody was wrongfully convicted. I did have cases where I inherited things, and it was a uh, a case where the DA's office certainly thought that a conviction should have been warranted. And when I got it and looked at it, it was. Let's peel the onion here. Yeah, we don't have the evidence. Not only the evidence, not enough to convict, but this shows that the person is not guilty at all, is innocent, and those were cases that were dismissed. But the reason this shaped my view of the death penalty is in the first case that we talked about where the guy got 50 years, it wasn't death penalty. There was still time, however late, to rectify the wrong associated with that conviction. There's a certain finality to this, I mean, if, if this guy's stay of execution hadn't gone down in 2017 by the governor, at this point it, would make, it wouldn't matter much to file a motion to exonerate him because he, he would have been dead. And you can't come back from that. Um, and so it's, it's not a, uh, you know, my soapbox here, it's not about the death penalty in general. It's just maybe the evidence is being used in the manner in which it's imposed. I'm not really a fan of at this point in time. Right. You know, now the interesting thing is that was the... Um, How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free... That, that was... <laughs> Just a question. Just, Just a question. question. Just a question. It doesn't matter that, if you got the death penalty. <laughs> that was the Midwest Innocent Project helping that gentleman, right? That's that, correct. That man. Now we know that the L.A. Innocent Project has taken on the case of Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson. And that's a very famous case where he has been found guilty of killing his wife and unborn son, Lacey Peterson and Connor Peterson. That is an interesting matter, and I th- we are definitely following yeah. this. And, and, and he was given the death penalty, and then that got vacated because of issues with the jury. And there's pattern here, yes. it feels like. And, and then we've got other things here. Specifically, Peterson has always maintained that there was another van. People saw another van in the area that was could have been used to kidnap, and they didn't search that and right now the innocence project they found the van they found a mattress they believe is associated with that and they're looking to test dna of the mattress to see if it comes back to lacy my question is this why is it that that was never tested before when it was being investigated why is it that people are so focused on looking for issues to convict that the same investigation team is not looking at something that could possibly lead them somewhere else and saying, we need to test that too. Why does it happen now, 20 years after the fact? And I think it's because of a watch. That's right. That, because of Lacey Peterson's watch was found. That's right. All right, so we're, we're done with hour number two. We come back hour number three. We've got another case or no case from Cal where he risks his eternal soul to try to dupe us. And then we're going to get into a little bit of shift here, some uh, other people that broke the law. Don't go away. By the way, so risking, totally worth it. So they wondered why they never... <laughs> Good. <laughs> we'll they be won- back with more Radio Law Talk. Denise and Todd will be with you at six minutes after the next hour, either live on the radio or live at radiolawtalk.com. Your choice. Either way, just turn it on and listen. You'll be glad. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated. (laughs) 